My name is Sophie. I suffered from fibromyalgia and extreme fatigue syndrome for about 24 years. Today I'm fully healthy. And now I would like to pass on everything I've learned about health and healing and more to support those who are still on a journey. And this is why I create this documentary series and podcast, The Puzzle of Healing. Hi everyone, in this episode I talk to Fluke, who is an inner walk facilitator in Thailand. Inner walk is essentially a technique for you to practice to be in the present moment and nowhere else. We talk about the method, how you can get started, what is a little bit behind it all, and also about Fluke's journey from working in a tech company to being an inner walk facilitator. One important comment. At some point we talk about alternatives for people who simply cannot walk. For example, if you sit in a wheelchair. However, after the interview, I asked Fluke again why somebody in a wheelchair couldn't do it. Because essentially, somebody in a wheelchair has still the ability to go from one place to the other and back. Fluke's answer was that he hasn't tried it yet. So, if you sit in a wheelchair and you're watching this or listening to this, get in touch with Fluke. He's very happy to talk to you one-to-one -one and figure out if in a walk would even work for you. If not, in the episode are some alternatives mentioned. So, I hope you enjoy this episode. So, Atika, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself and like tell me a little bit about what you're doing? So, I'll, I'll, I'll say two things. One, something about my background. I'm coming from technology and business. Oh, so interesting. most of my life I spend in the business industry. Uh, my professional knowledge is in the realm of technology, though that in the business life I dealt with many, many different things, not just uh, in technology. And as if I go back, maybe starting about 15 years ago, I started to have something inside of me that was related to supporting people, uh, nothing was professional. So I never studied psychology or I don't have any degree in being uh, in service or something like this. But 15 years ago, I started to slowly, slowly work with people uh, in different fields of uh, self-development, uh, things related to personal issues, to relationship issues, business issues, um, life in general. And... As the years passed by, uh, more and more of my energy and time was directed towards that uh, type of work. And about four years ago, I basically, for the final last time, I quit basically everything that I had to be dealing with business and reality and money and all of those things. And then I came with a group of friends and we created a place called Wonderland. This is, you probably know. Um, and Wonderland is a place in Copenhagen, which basically is focused on um, self-development, healing, uh, uh, and this is what I'm doing in the last four years. About three years ago, uh, I went to practice with a monk on the island, which I actually I know I know him already five years, but three years ago I went first time to practice with him, and this is when uh, uh, I basically got introduced to. Back then, it didn't even call it Inner Walk. Mm -hmm. And the name came a little bit after. And I first practiced with the monk, the, the practice that we call today Inner Walk. And after a couple of days practicing with him, I basically kind of stopped 
almost everything that I did in my life until that point. Wow. And I spent uh, about one year I spent in the temple with the monk. I didn't live the whole year in the temple, but I was the Wonderland and the temple is about 15 minutes walk. Mm-hmm. So I spent most of my time with the monk and slowly, slowly more and more people come to do the practice with him. It's a practice that he created. He started this about five years ago. So after two years that he was doing this practice, I went to practice with him for the first time. And now in the last three years, basically, this is the main focus of what I'm doing in my life. Um, and what is... We can talk more about the practice later. <laughs> I was about to say, like, what, what is this practice? Would you explain that a little bit? So um, I, I want to start uh, with something even before the practice. Mm-hmm. Um One of the sentences that the monk uh, printed on me uh, was that, uh, what are we doing here? We are dealing with improving the quality of life. So before we even talk about the practice itself, the purpose of the practice is to improve the quality of life. And by saying quality of life, now we need to really ask, what does it mean, quality of life? So to establish the understanding of that is basically understanding that there's a basic teachings that coming from Buddhism, that we are in suffering. Many of us living in denial that we are living in suffering and many of us acknowledging that there is a lot of suffering in life. And the practice is basically um, following the teachings of the Buddha, basically understanding the suffering and through understanding the suffering, uh, uh, learning how to kind of releasing the suffering and learning how to live this life without the suffering. And... uh, To understand it on another level, a lot of people looking for seeking uh, for happiness. Uh, But if I'll ask you what is happiness and how you can hold happiness, you will see that this is a very complicated question that actually does not really have an answer. Um, But uh, if suffering is one side, supposedly happiness is the other side. So if you cannot explain me what is happiness, maybe you can explain me what is suffering And if you can let go of the suffering, you're probably in happiness. So the idea is not basically seeking happiness, it's understanding the suffering, understanding how to let go of the suffering, and through that, basically living in happiness. So the purpose of the practice is to make the shift from suffering to happiness, but not through seeking happiness, through releasing the suffering. Um, And... The next question that we need to ask is basically, uh, so what is suffering? The first basic things to say about these things, suffering is anger, expectations, fears, uh, and the rest of the things that goes inside our head. So I'm expecting to have something, I'm already in suffering Mm -hmm. because I want to have something that I don't have now, meaning that I'm not in happiness, yeah? Yeah. Or I'm anger, I'm in anger. I'm, I'm, I have judgment on you. So all these layers of um, judgment, expectations, anger, and so on, are layers of suffering that exist inside my head. Yeah? And, and suffering is optional. It's not <laughs> mandatory. I like that sentence. That's a great sentence. <laughs> it's tricky because it's not so true to say that suffering is optional because if it's optional so why people choose to suffer yeah Mm. so it's a little bit tricky but what i will say that suffering is not mandatory 
okay? So the difference, in order to understand it, I will say there is a difference between pain and suffering. Suffer pain is something that happens. It's a phenomenon that happens in life. You hit me on the hand, this is painful. I'm angry at you for doing this to me, this is suffering. Yeah, okay. Okay, so this is the big difference. Pain can be that the doctor tell you that you have cancer. That's very painful. What you do the next day, this is suffering. Mm. You, can, you can go out of your house and celebrate the rest of your life. Even if you have cancer. Yeah. Pain is something that happened to you. Suffering is, a, is something that you can choose if you inside of it or not inside of it. Now, when I'm saying choosing, it's not mean that you can actually decide that you're not going to suffer anymore, but through processes of practice and understanding, you can release the suffering. So I'll take something that is very simple in, in our uh, human experience. Uh, we, can send, we can stand 10 people together and someone will start to scream. The first person will cry because of that. The second will be afraid. The third one will start to laugh. There is a crazy man in the room who's screaming. The fourth, the fourth person will sit and stare, not say anything. Every human have a different reaction to what is happening. Yeah? Mm. This reaction is happening to me automatically. I'm not choosing it. So why do you cry? Why is laughing? This is because our past experience. Mm. Past experience is basically everything that happened to me before in my life make you make me behave in a certain way today. That that makes sense? Yeah, it does make sense. Okay, okay. Now, this is my human condition. I'm programmed to get scared when someone is shouting in the room. Mm. Programmed to cry when someone is shouting in the room. I'm programmed to laugh when someone is shouting in the room. Yeah? We have different conditions that brought us to where we are now. So the shouting and the noise that I hear, this is something that happened. Yeah. The reaction that is coming out of me, this is my human condition. Everything that happened to me in my life before makes me behave in a certain way. And through practice, I can learn to shift this behavior to a different type of behavior. So I will not change the fact that someone is shouting in the room, but I can change through practice my reaction to what's happening in the room. So in a way, unprogramming yourself or changing your inner program to something healthier and happier, probably. <laughs> so, well, less conditioned. I don't want to less be programmed. I want to be free. You're right. And when you look at the essence of yoga and the yoga philosophy and Buddhism, they're talking about liberation. Liberation from what? From the human condition. <laughs> so as a human being, you are programmed. You have a lot of conditions. That, by the way, you've been programmed way before you remember yourself. Yeah. Did it happen when you were five years old, three years old, one year old? Does thing that happened when you were in the stomach of your mom still affecting your life this is your human condition yeah? and the liberation is basically being free from this human condition that sounds like a huge task <laughs> um, 
it's actually a very simple task. Um, the more I learn, the more, I, the more I practice, the more I understand. I understand how simple it is and how fundamentally it, it's, it doesn't require much. Our mind is very complicated. So we naturally will think thoughts uh, in the line of, I'm crying now because you are shouting, yeah, but my reaction is crying because when I was five years old, I was raised in a stressful environment. Mm. So it sounds like I need to solve all my life problem in order to get free and not to react in a certain way to something that is happening. But, but I will say that um, this is not, uh, not the path that we, we work and not the, the, the way that we, we teach and we, we coach people to change their life. It's actually not so important why you're crying. Mm-hmm. Not so important. So, so I can maybe go forward and explain what's really happening there and why it's not so important for me what happened to you when you were five years old. Though that if you like to tell me, I will sit and listen. But I don't think that me sitting and listening to the story will change your life or my life or will help anybody. Yeah. Okay. And so in that way, we are very different from what you call to the normal uh, perception of I'm going to the psychologist and I'm talking with my psychologist about my life. Though that I will say uh, that many, many psychologists don't do this anymore. They're actually yeah. uh, choosing different modalities as well. Um, so the next question that maybe we need to answer, that where is suffering? Because uh, pain here in the end. Okay, I have pain in my end. Yeah. Okay, I'm very angry at you for doing this to me. Where does this exist? In my mind. So, so suffering is a process of the mind. That's, that's one thing to, to understand. Another thing to understand is that I'm going into my past. And because you hit me on my hand five minutes ago, I will not speak with you for the next seven days. So suffering is thoughts that I'm having inside my head that are generated because things happened in the past and I'm thinking how to live my future. Mm. Why should I be angry at you if I don't care what happened five minutes ago? Yeah. I will not be angry. Yeah? And, and so I will be angry at you, meaning that in the future I will be angry. Yeah? So, so it's something between the past and the future that is running inside my head. Mm-hmm. So suffering is inside my head and is a process of the past and the future. Mm-hmm. So when I'm talking now, when I'm sitting now, when I'm looking now, when I'm eating now, when I'm smelling now, there is no suffering. Suffering is illusion of the mind. It's something that happened between past and future. And for some reason, we human beings uh, spend a lot of time inside our thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and all human beings, by the way, uh, no difference. Yeah, all, all, all of us have it. Some of us have it very aggressively. Some yeah. people report that they cannot sit for a second without starting to think about plans about the future. So, so this can be very painful. 
And when you ask people, what is depression? What is stress? What is panic attack? This is all phenomena that are coming because I'm spending a lot of time in my past future experience and my past future experience can be unpleasant. And even worse, that can then go into the body and create illness and can create physical problems. And then you're in an even more feedback loop because then it's even harder to get out because your mind puts so much stress on your body that your body ends up creating pain, for example, with the stress, like stress headaches and things like that. So if we take what you said now, my body does not understand between a dream that I sleep at night, a dream during night, a daydream, my thoughts during the day, or a tiger that is standing near me now. Mm. So if a tiger is standing near me now, it's a very dangerous situation. I need to contract. I need to go into a fight and flight uh, mode and, and run away. If I'm thinking about a tiger that might jump on me in the future, my body will get into the same type of stress. If I am having a nightmare during night, and this nightmare I'm dreaming about a tiger that will jump on me, I will still have the same stress reaction in my body. So a thought is an emotion, is a feeling, is hormones, stress hormones that going inside my body. And for people who deal with energy, they will say energetical state. Yeah. So my physical experience and my mental experience are connected. Yeah. If you take this and we look at an average human being living in 2020, the amount of stressful thoughts that we are processing every day are way more than 100 years ago. Are way more than 2,000 years ago. <laughs> Biologically, evolution-wise, we are the same animal, human being. Does it mean that this animal, the human being uh, animal, can handle so much stress? So biologically, we are the same. Mentally, we are very different. And the mental aspect affects our biological hormones that are running in our blood. Mm. Is it possible that so many modern age illnesses, such as cancer, are actually a reaction to the mental biological state that is not balanced in our body? Mm. It's, a, it's, it's something to, to, to explore because we see uh, in our work a significant reduce in illnesses, all, 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 all type of illnesses for people who do mental practices like meditation yeah. and yoga and stuff. So is it possible that the stress that we're living in is actually what creates the physical illnesses that we have? And then if I have physical illnesses, would it create more stress in my head? As you said, it's a mm -hmm. loop. Yeah. It's one feeding the other, for sure, for sure. I want to go back to the beginning mm -hmm. after this introduction. And I want to give an example, and this will experience, explain kind of, uh, will close the circle about what are we doing. Mm -hmm. And the example I like to give uh, is that imagine yourself reading a book. And you read the first line, and then the second line, and the third line. And by the time you get to the fourth line, your mind starts to wander, what I call it daydream. You mm -hmm. go into a daydream. Your eyes keep running on the page. You get to the end of the page, you try to flip the page, and suddenly you realize, oh, I don't know what I was reading. 
It happened to you before. It happened, and especially with my coursework at the moment. I study psychology at the moment, and it's very hard sometimes to get to a, through a study because of the wandering mind. <laughs> okay, so, so what's happening there? You told your mind to focus on the book, on the lines in the book, mm -hmm. and for some reason, your mind decided to do something else. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if I take this one and I will go forward in this example, um, basically, there is something inside of you that is kind of falling asleep and waking up. Mm -hmm. You, inside of you, is falling asleep. Your mind is doing what he wants. Mm -hmm. So, like, in Buddhism, we call it the monkey mind. With a monkey inside of you, and when you fall asleep, the monkey takes the decisions for you. So he's jumping from one place to another. And then at some point you wake up and you realize what the monkey was doing. Mm -hmm. Then you say, oh, stop it. Go to the beginning of the page, start to read again. First line, second line, third line, fourth line. You fall asleep and the monkey starts to play. Okay? Yeah. This is a very nice example to see what's happening to us in our life. Mm -hmm. If I go one step forward and just to understand where is suffering, when you choose to read a book... There is no suffering. You read the book. But when you fall asleep and the monkey wakes up and the monkey decides what to do and the monkey decides to think about the problems that you have, how to pay the bills at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. So now you are sitting and studying and in the middle of your studying, you start to think about the bills that you need to pay and how much problems you have to pay the bills and the boss that does not like you and soon gonna fire you and then you'll not be able to pay the bills and then you know you need to go to live with your mom but you don't want to go to live with your mom because you really like the apartment that you're and this is what goes down inside your head mm. okay this is suffering you were going to study which is something that you chose to do to study on a topic that is in your interest Yeah, and instead of doing that, you are spiraling about the bills and the salaries and the boss and all these worrying thoughts and so on and so on. So, if we take this into consideration, what's really happening is you want to do one thing and then the monkey takes you to do another thing and then the monkey will take you to a lot of space of suffering. Now, essentially, we don't want to spend our uh, time being in those daydreams. Yeah. So, if you will tell me that you choose now to sit and think about your bills, I will say, good, go on and do it. It's very, I think it's useful. It's important, actually, that you will do it. Because if you don't have enough money, I think that you set an appointment with yourself to think how to make more money or cut down your bills. This is very mm -hmm. efficient. But please don't do it while you're studying psychology. Yeah. <laughs> Now we're talking about efficiency. Quality of life, efficiency. Meaning that if I'm a computer programmer and I go to the office and I sit by the computer and I'm working, I want to work. But if after five minutes that I'm working, my mind goes to my problem in home, I'm not working and I'm also not in home. And I'm just spiraling inside my head. And probably... 
after a couple of minutes spending there in the daydream, I will wake up and I will even see that I don't even remember what I was thinking about. So it's not that you're thinking about your problems in home and you actually will have some efficiency in that. You will think about your problems in home and you will not even remember this. Mm. So it's not just lack of focus in what you want to do. It's really lack of efficiency in your time. And this is basically quality of life. So what we do in our practice is basically aiming to improve the quality of life by improving the amount of time that you spend being present in the moment, mm-hmm. not in the daydream. Okay? So this is where we're now coming into the practice of inner work. And the practice of inner work is focused on training people to be more present in the moment. So I think that we can finish this point here. And... The next question that we need to ask is how this practice is working. Yes. <laughs> so in order to explain this, uh, I will just take us to a small uh, detour in the journey. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I come from business and, and technology and uh, we like to say, what is the problem? The problem is that you are daydreaming, you are sleeping too much. Mm-hmm. This is the problem. Now you want the solution. Huh? Mm-hmm. So in order to understand the solution, we need to understand that there is the muscle inside here. And this muscle is basically the muscle that responds for your awareness, being in the present. So if this muscle is very weak, you're constantly falling asleep. Mm-hmm. If this muscle will be stronger, you'll be more present in the moment. The reason I'm saying it's a muscle, because muscle have two features. The first feature that the muscle have, it's as a capacity. If I will ask you now, how many kilometers you can run, you give all your power, your 100%. How much can you run? Let's say two kilometers, just for the story, okay? It's about right? When I, when I kind of run in a not too fast pace, I do, yes. <laughs> But full-on speed ahead? No way. <laughs> Let's say you can give two kilometers. After two kilometers, if I keep pushing you, I will need to call the ambulance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 100%. If I will, this is your capacity. Mm-hmm. Okay? I will train you now for the next six months. Can we assume that in six months training, your capacity will go to four kilometers? Does it make sense? It does make sense, yes. So your muscle have a capacity, and this is 100% of the capacity now is two kilometers. After training, it will be four kilometers. So we also can see that muscle have another feature. It's have the uh, uh, possibility to train the muscle. So if I'm going to train you, you'll be able to run four kilometers. By the way, can I train you to run only one kilometer? Yeah. I will tell you, sit on the couch, don't move. Watch uh, Netflix all day and eat a lot of uh, uh, French fries. Mm-hmm. Assuming that in, after six months, maybe one kilometer will be your capacity. So we can see that it can go up and down based on the training that we have. Mm-hmm. But it's also important to know that it has the current capacity, meaning that now you can do two kilometers. And this is you give your 100%. <laughs> On the same effort level, 
if you're going to train six months, at that point, after six months, if you give 100%, you will be able to run four kilometers. Meaning that the same amount of effort will give you better result. No. Okay. This is very important. Same is this muscle here that's responsible for your awareness. Your capacity now is that 99% of the day you are daydreaming. Mm. 98% of the day, 97% of the day you are daydreaming. After, after X amount of training, you will be 90% of the day daydreaming because your muscle is stronger. Does it mean that you need to try more to be present in the moment? No, because your capacity is stronger. So the practice will bring you to a place that you will naturally be more present in the moment. Mm -hmm. Meaning that being present in the moment is not an effort. Is something that naturally happens based on the capacity of your muscles. So I take you to the training Maybe it will be challenging. Maybe you will not like some of the training. Yes. But then naturally, you will be more present in the moment. So naturally, you will suffer less. Naturally, you will have less anxiety, less fears, less stress, less anger. You'll spend less time in all these realms of suffering. Yeah. But you need to train yourself. So the solution, the, the problem, daydreaming. The solution is to train the muscle. Yeah. How do we train the muscle? Okay. Now that we understand that there is a muscle, how do we train the muscle? Training the muscle is being done via, be, via being aware to the moment that I wake up from the daydream. How do we do this? I'll give a simple example. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're driving your car. Yeah. While you're driving your car, it's a very common phenomenon that after a couple of minutes, you go into daydreams, and after 20 minutes, you find yourself in the destination, and you don't even know how you get there. That makes mm. sense? Yeah. yeah. So now, when you are daydreaming, there is a moment. So, so let's, let's, let's give an example. Let's say you're breathing, and you focus on your breath. One, two, three. And after three, you go into the daydream. Yeah? Mm. Then there is a moment that you wake up and naturally what will happen to you when you wake up, you'll get stressed because you're supposed to focus on your breath. So it will look something like this. One, two, three, daydreaming, daydreaming, waking up, four, five, six, daydreaming, daydreaming, waking up, seven, eight, nine. And every time that you wake up, there's going to be some kind of reaction of like, oh, I supposed to focus on my breath. I will change your practice, and now your practice will be something like one, two, three, daydreaming, waking up. Ah, I was asleep. Wow. Okay. Four, five, six, daydreaming, waking up. Oh, okay. I was asleep. Seven, eight, nine. I'm driving the car. I'm going into daydream. Dreaming, 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 waking up instead of being panic on the wheel. Oh, I was asleep. I bring awareness to the moment that I wake up. Every time I bring awareness to the moment that I wake up, it's improved the capacity of this specific muscle, the muscle of awareness. So many people go to practice meditation. And when they practice meditation, they are very frustrated 
from the practice because the teacher come and tell them or they think it's not the fault of the teacher. They think that they was supposed to do is let's say focus on the breath. So what they're doing is one, two, three, daydream, waking up. Oh, I'm so bad. I'm so good. I'm so bad at this because I'm daydreaming. I need to focus on my breath. Four, five, six. Daydreaming again, waking up. Oh, not good, not good. Seven, eight, nine, mm -hmm. ten. But actually, the purpose of the practice is totally else. The breathing is just there to give you something to do. So one, two, three. Daydream, waking up, and instead of being in panic that you need to be focused on the breath, your intention is to notice this moment of waking up. So now when you go to do medita meditation, when you daydreaming is not a problem. When you wake up, you notice that you were daydream. You even smile because you notice it. Mm -hmm. You go to the practice. That's the whole thing. That's the secret behind all, the, all of this. You can do it while you're washing the dishes. First cup, second cup, third cup, daydreaming, daydreaming, waking up. Oh, nice. Continue washing your dishes. You can practice this in every second in your life. Mm -hmm. So the problem... We are daydreaming too much. The solution, practicing the muscle. Yeah, this is the essence of this. Now, if I give you just that, and I send you now to your day, and I tell you, let's get together in 24 hours. Tomorrow, we talk again, okay? Mm -hmm. And by tomorrow, I want you to tell me how many times you noticed and remember to smile when you wake up from a daydream. So you will see that you will do it five times, 10 times. That's it. 15 times. If you're really good at this, maybe 15 times. This fundamentally will not change much in your life. Mm -hmm. Because every day you going in and out from daydreams 70,000 times per day. This is science today. Measure your brain waves. Oh, wow. That you're going in and out. Now, sometimes you go into a nanosecond, a microsecond. Sometimes it's for five seconds. Sometimes it's for five minutes. So you doing it 15 times a day will not change much in the behavior of your muscle. It's an insignificant amount of practice. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah. yeah it's it like does. I'm telling you now, you can run two kilometers and I want you to train to run four kilometers. Please, every day you wake up in the morning and you run 100 meters. I'll see you in six months. This is basically what I'm telling you. It doesn't make sense. You will not be able to run four kilometers if you train to run 100. It makes sense, yeah? We yeah. need to train you to do more than what you can, yeah? It's, it's mm. to be more. I'm not saying that the first 15 times are not important. I'm just saying it's way not enough to change the... Uh, reality of someone who is in depression, who is in stress all day, who is in anger all day, it will not change his reality. It will take many years of practice. Mm -hmm. So the problem, sleeping too much. The solution, train your muscle. But uh, as I like to say in the business world, every problem has a solution. Every solution has a shortcut. We like to have shortcuts. Yeah, We don't want uh, the solution will take 15 years. We need to make it a little bit shorter. The shorter version of this is to create a dedicated time for the practice 
with the intention to notice this. So if you focus with the intention to notice the awakening and you go and you sit for one hour and you do sitting meditation for one hour, you will see that it will happen to you, this noticing, 40 times, 50 times, which is much more than you can accomplish in a normal day without setting the intention. So setting a specific time for the practice with the intention to notice this phenomena will increase the amount of time that you do it per day. So in one hour, you can do three times more than you will do in one day if you don't set the intention for, the, for this. Does it make sense? Yeah, it, yeah, it does. <laughs> for the practice. So this is the shortcut. Now, for every problem, there is a solution. For every solution, there is a shortcut. But for every shortcut, there is a better shortcut. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I need to give a better solution. Uh, and this is where uh, I go back to the monk and to inner work. Uh, and so uh, I will say in, in a few words that the monk who created this practice, uh, who is my teacher in this path, is coming from the business world. He's Thai monk, but he was actually living a, a big part of his life in Germany and in Switzerland, and he was running businesses in Switzerland. So he was living the same normal life as every one of us. And at some point, he understood that this is impossible, this suffering, and he was looking for a solution, for a shortcut, for a way to introduce something for people to practice that will bring them to this uh, improving quality of life in a very short way. And this is where he came about to do the practice of the inner walk. So I will explain now what we do in inner walk. Mm -hmm. It will sound kind of silly, but I think that, you, that uh, it will make sense at the end. So what we do in inner walk, we take a, a space of 15 meters, and just imagine two walls, and you walk between two, two, these two walls. So there is a wall here, and you start to walk towards the other wall. You get to the other wall, you turn around on the spot, and you walk back to the first wall. Mm -hmm. And you're walking between these two walls. That's it. So just imagine a straight line, walking with open eyes between these two walls, freestyle, free speed, no uh, slow, fast, just your own natural speed, like you're walking in the park. And you walk in a straight line, you get to the end, you turn around, and you walk back. This is the whole practice. Very simple, very stupid. Uh, <laughs> and uh, in, in Zen, they say, just walk, just sit. The practice does not have anything beside the walking. In, initially, in the... Um, Fundamentally, I don't need to teach you anything. You already know what you need to know in order to do this practice. Now do it for four days in a row for four hours every day. This is, the, this is what we do. Okay. Now the mind wants to ask some questions about it, and I will clarify some things. Why are we just walking? So what happens when you start to walk after a couple of steps, because I didn't tell you what to think about and what to do, your mind will start to wander around. And... Naturally, at some point, you're going to wake up and you're going to notice that you are daydreaming. And because I didn't give any other instruction, this is what you're going to do. You're going to walk, you're going to fall into the daydream, you're going to wake up and you're going to notice it. Mm. This is all fine. What is the trick about this practice? Is that every time you walk, you get to the wall and you need to turn around, it's like someone doing like this to you. Wake up. The turning around of the wall makes you wake up every time that you turn around. Mm -hmm. So you're walking, you're going into the daydream. After 15 meters maximum, you turn around, you wake up 
you notice that you were in a daydream, you continue walking, going into another daydream, waking up, noticing, another daydream, waking up, noticing, and so on and so on and so on. In one hour walking the distance of 15 meters, you do between 300 to 500 times this falling asleep and waking up. Mm -hmm. Four hours, four days, it's about 7,000 times. So when I started this uh, and I said, normally if I tell you this task to notice yourself waking up, if you are good, you will do it 15 times in the next 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Here in 16 hours of practice, eventually it's less than one day of, of life. In 16 hours of practice, you do 7,000 times. This is a significant amount of practice to change the behavior of the muscle instantly mm. meaning that when you finish the journey of the four days four hours that we do in uh, in our workshop you change your life uh, muscle it's fundamentally it's with you mm. the interesting experience that you will have in the next couple of days after the practice that you will be even a little bit like wow i sit and i see my thought i talk i see my thought i drink i see my thought i wake up in the morning i see my thought and slowly, after a couple of days, you get like getting comfortable with this. You're getting used to it. And you suddenly see that you're not your thoughts. So usually mm -hmm. I have a lot of attachment to my thoughts. And after this practice, you can see that you're just observing your thoughts. And they are not controlling you anymore. And it's much more pleasant and much more uh, easy to live life uh, in that way. So the practice is basically bring you much faster uh, into the uh, waking up and being present in the moment. And, and this what, what are people doing who can't walk that long? Let's say they have an illness and they're prevented okay. through pain. Okay, so I will say a couple of things. First of all, the attitude of the practice is just walk, meaning that when you need to take a water break, go to the toilet, sit down, relax for a couple of minutes, stretch, whatever it is, it's all welcome. Mm -hmm. In our facilities, we walk on a concrete floor and we walk barefoot. But if people have uh, some type of injuries or stuff like this, we guide them to walk with the shoes. Usually people who have uh, injuries also have uh, the shoes that fits their injury. Mm -hmm. uh, if they have back problems or just uh, sport shoes or whatever it is. So we, we guide them to walk with shoes. Um, if people, uh, I will say that we had uh, even people that uh, have, uh, I don't know if the right word in English is prostata, is like have an alternative leg. Prosthetics, prosthetics, yeah. Prosthetics. So mm -hmm. they were like someone who had only one leg, but he had an, uh, a, a, a plastic leg. So wow. we also did the practice with us. We had people at the age of eighty doing the practice with us, and we had people as young as sixteen years old coming and joining our practice. So it's all type of all people uh, have walked with us. Um, I will say that in a walk is not suitable for people in wheelchair. It's not suitable for people that are blind. It's not suitable for people with things that they cannot walk, literally, mm -hmm. uh, absolutely cannot walk. Yeah. For those type of uh, uh, people, I will, rock, uh, I will recommend to go back to what we call normal practices of uh, meditation, mm -hmm. uh, like Zen meditation or Vipassana style. Uh, they are all beautiful practices. It's more, from our experience, it's more efficient 
and more accessible for people to do the four days, four hours. Yeah. I, I want to say something that for people to, to practice sitting meditation might be very challenging because they are not comfortable sitting. When you walk, it's very suitable for people who come from business lifestyle, intensive lifestyle, a lot of stressful uh, energy and so on. It's easier for them to do walking practice than sitting practice. I will also say that though that we are sitting in Copangan and we are doing every week we are doing the four days four hours. So every week we start a new workshop. Everybody is welcome. It's based on the Dana philosophy, which is basically you come, you participate. If you like, you give a donation at the end, but it's basically free for everyone. Um, but uh, the inner work uh, organization is also uh, supporting other uh, facilities around the world. So if you contact us, uh, we can connect you to local uh, facilitators around the world. For example, in Germany, there is now another organization that is also called Innerwalk, and who is doing it in Germany. And also we have what we call Innerwalk online workshops, which is something they started doing the Corona time. And mm-hmm. basically we, in every two, three weeks, we have a weekend that we do three days, every day, one and a half hour. And we guide it online. So mm-hmm. if people are interested to taste inner work and to practice inner work, they can do it online. They don't need to come to the inner work facilities and they can mm-hmm. do it at home. And we give the guidance how to find a space for to walk in your home and how to walk. And every day we do a sharing circle and we continue the guidance so people can join the online workshops and, and do the work also online. That sounds really beautiful. Uh, actually, today... Just after I finish this uh, talk with you, we have a final uh, closing uh, work sh- uh, sharing circle uh, for the weekend workshop that we have this week. And I think there is about 20, 30 people that walk in this week. Some That's of them participate in the online Zoom sessions mm-hmm. and some of them just walk and they watch the Zoom in their own free time because they not everybody in their time zone can watch the, can join the Zoom sessions. Mm-hmm. So some of them are, are watching it uh, offline. Do you plan on keep that up, like after Corona is, is done, or do you want to go back to just physical practice? So I personally started to guide people one-on-one about two years ago, way before the Corona started, uh, mm-hmm. people around the world. And uh, and I also did like a couple of group sessions online. Mm-hmm. And as Corona started, it seems to be more and more relevant. Yeah. Um And what we believe that will eventually happen, that we will reach a point when we will have a weekly inner walk online uh, workshop. Same as we have uh, inner walk uh, in the Copenhagen facility uh, that we have here. Now we're doing it once in three weeks, and I think that we go to once in two weeks because mm-hmm. we have more and more people who participate. So it's a matter... We need to understand that inner walk is not... Uh, a business uh, organization, yeah. meaning that we don't have uh, finance to do marketing and promotion and all of these things. We're living from donation. So most of the work of inner work is word to mouth. Since uh, the monks started to work with people, there is more than 3,000 people who worked with us. Uh, wow. and, and it's all donation and it's all word to mouth. There is no marketing. Mm-hmm. And now that we started the online, I believe that there's going to be more word to mouth and more people will join. So uh, everything that we do is based on support of other organizations. Um, 
I don't know. I, I didn't say much about it, but I live inside Wonderland. So Wonderland is one of the organizations that support inner work. Mm -hmm. um, and so Wonderland, for example, did um, a newsletter to all the guests of Wonderland in the past to join inner work online. And this is how the last workshop uh, was happening. So Wonderland helped uh, in some ways and stuff like this, but eventually it's uh, all donations and word of mouth. That is really beautiful. So to sum it up, inner work is for everyone or any form of practice that brings you into the present moment. And the shortcuts is the inner walk for the intense four days. And how long does it last afterwards? Like, is there a moment you have to basically fresh it up again? Or is these four days really so intense that they're going to keep you more in the present moment? I, I will reflect this as, uh, as cleaning the house. And, uh, and the other thing that you do in your house is renovating your house. Mm -hmm. So let's say now you're living in a certain place and it's many, many years that you didn't change anything and you're living in the same house. And so you want to rebuild your uh, kitchen and to change the toilet and make the room bigger. Okay, mm -hmm. for that, you need to come to do four days, four hours. Mm -hmm. Let's say you did it. You have a, a completely renovated house now. You like it? Good, I'm happy for you. Enjoy the house. Now, as time passes, dust is coming in. The dirt is coming in. Um, you need to, the books are getting dusty, yeah? And there is a little bit more, you need to uh, change the bed sheet. So you need to kind of clean your room and your house almost every day. Mm. This is what we call the daily practice. We recommend to continue 30 minutes to an hour every day to continue the practice. If not every day, at least a couple of times a week. And I guess that you also take care of your, I suppose that if you like to have a pleasant time in your house, you dust and clean the dishes in the, in the sink and you clean the toilet once in a couple of days. So this is the daily practice all day, once in a couple of days to practice. Mm -hmm. But as time will pass, uh, you know, uh, dirt will, will sneak into the corners and will stick to the floors and just doing the normal uh, mapping Uh, and wiping the dust will not be enough. And maybe once in a couple of months, six months, a year, it will be good to refresh it. Yeah. So, look, uh, it's like taking care of yourself. You know, uh, mm -hmm. if you don't going to take care of yourself, you're going to get uh, lazy and weak and sick again and again. Yeah. So it's good to do the four days, but it's also recommended to keep some kind of practice as you go into your life. By the way, I tell people come to do with us the four days. They, when they ask me after four days, how much should I practice? I tell them it's your problem, not mine. <laughs> yeah. You need to know for yourself. You cannot ask the, the, the teacher how much you need to practice. You need to, to, to do for yourself and see what's happening. Yeah. I will say that uh, it's good to have a daily routine. There is a nice saying uh, that says that every day you should meditate for 20 minutes. If you don't have time, you should practice for one hour. <laughs> yes. <laughs> If you don't have time, 20 minutes for yourself, I would say that you really need to ask yourself, what is your, the purpose of your life? Yeah. How possible that you don't have 20 minutes in, uh, every day to practice something that is just for you? And how possible that you cannot find the next two or three months in your life a time to join us for 
three times during the weekend for one and a half hour. Yeah, that's very true. You need to ask yourself, if you don't have time to do this, it's a deep question. How possible that you have time for so many other things and you don't have time to spend with yourself in kind of a journey that will allow you to learn something about your life? It's a deep question. I don't know what to <laughs> I, I think that you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I think that is a very beautiful way to end this episode. What do you think? Is there anything else you, you feel we should add to that? <laughs> um, I think that uh, we are living in times that things are changing. And I'm not just talking about the last period of our life with Corona. I think that in the last couple of years, we see that uh, people start to ask different questions. Mm. And um, improving your quality of life and, 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 and investing time in your own self-development is the best thing you can do for yourself and for the planet. Because we're trying to educate each other. But I think if you be more aware to what you're thinking, more aware to your actions, nobody will need to educate you. You will not create harm. You will not do stupid things. You will not be angry at other people if you're going to be aware of what's happening inside of you. So I really invite every human being that cares about himself and the environment and other people to find time to practice and uh, yeah, to find more ways to improve his own quality of life and through that to improve everybody else's quality of life. And as Gandhi said, and this is where I'm going to end, be the change that you want to see in the world. Thank you very much.